You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Bibles, we're going to take the time that we have remaining this Sunday evening and we're just going to minister the word of the Lord. Is it all right if we preach for a little while on Sunday night? Amen. Amen. I'd invite you to remain standing with me just in honor of the word. We're turning tonight to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading tonight in verse number 6. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, and as you're finding that in your Bibles tonight, I do just want to pause and give honor tonight to your pastor. This is, uh, I've only got to meet your pastor in the last week, but I recognize this, that churches and pastors don't have to allow missionaries to come. That's not an obligation. It's open by invitation. So everywhere that I go, it's a little signal to me that that pastor and that church loves souls enough that they recognize the kingdom of God is bigger than one place, that it stretches around the world You've got a wonderful pastor that has a burden for souls that you ought to thank God for this man of God. And I thank you, Pastor. I give you honor tonight. And I give you honor tonight, saints of the Lord. Amen. For being in the house of God on a Sunday night. I give you honor. Amen. I'm thankful that you're here. The book is 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse number 6. If you're there, would you say amen? If you're reading it on the screen, would you say praise the Lord? About half and half, hallelujah. Says it like this. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Now notice verse number 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Now tonight, if you'll allow me, I'm not going to preach perhaps a stereotypical missionary message. I'm just going to preach what God laid on my heart. So tonight, for the next few minutes, I want to minister to you from this subject. Demas has fallen but I must go on. Amen. Demas has fallen, but I must go on. I know we just prayed over New Zealand, but I always feel better when we pray over the Word. So would you lift your voice one more time and ask that God would talk to our hearts tonight. Lord, we thank you now that, God, you're in this house, you're in this place, that, God, you've inhabited the praises of your people. But now, God, on this Sunday night, I need your help. Lord, I'm just a man. I've nothing to offer in the flesh. And so I'm asking you tonight to anoint my lips and allow me to walk in the Holy Ghost. God, anoint the ears of this congregation that they would hear not a man but the Word of God. And let it encourage somebody. Let it strengthen somebody to the praise of your mighty name. And would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? Amen. We're going to receive the Word with gladness in our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, and you may be seated this evening. This man in our Bibles that we 
know as the Apostle Paul is a wonderful man. He is perhaps outside of Jesus the most important man, certainly in the New Testament, perhaps outside of the Lord Himself in the entirety of all of Scripture. Paul is a man of unwavering zeal. Before he comes to Christ, when he's known as Saul, he's so full of zeal that he's willing to persecute the Christians, believing them to be apostates from the true faith. He, he goes after them relentlessly, caring not about women and children. He'll take anybody he can lay his hands upon, as Acts chapter 9 and in verse number 2 tells us that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, it didn't matter. No one was getting mercy from the hands of zealous Saul. He was going to persecute. He was going to bind them. He was going to do his best to destroy this infant church. But you know if you've ever read his story that on the road that day to Damascus, he encounters a brilliant light from heaven. He hears the voice of the Master and he's converted. Now he is one of those that he has despised. He becomes the man that he has formerly hated. He loves the Christ that he used to mock. But now he takes the same zeal that he had before when he was Saul and he applies it to the work of the Lord. As you read through the New Testament, it seems that Saul, who is now Paul, never tires, never wavers from his mission. He's unrelenting in his singular pursuit to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you read through the word of the Lord, you'll find that he visits at least 59 cities and regions that are mentioned in Scripture. A remarkable achievement in a day without airplanes and vehicles. I, I visited more than 59 cities in this deputation, but I had a vehicle to drive in. Paul rode and he walked and he sailed with the wind and he visits 59 cities and regions. As he travels, he sees the miraculous take place. He's bitten by a snake and he simply shakes it off into the fire. He casts the devil out of a woman. He establishes churches. He preaches, the Bible says, until all of Asia hears the gospel. He declares that Jesus himself appeared unto him as one born out of season. And he writes perhaps the greatest theological masterpiece in the New Testament when he pens the letter of Romans. But now, when we come to our text here in 2 Timothy, we recognize that Paul is coming to the end of his ministry and indeed to the end of his very life. As he writes this letter to the young preacher Timothy, he's imprisoned in Rome. He's not far, history tells us, from being beheaded at the hands of the evil emperor Nero. And there, in his prison, with his life hanging in the balance, he feels the weight of time, the urgency of the hour, and so he picks up his pen or his quill, whatever he wrote with, and he begins to write the book that we call Second Timothy, his final letter, his final book. As he writes to the young preacher, he talks to him about ministry. He exhorts him and encourages him, but as we come to the final chapter of the final letter, all of his words seem now to flow not from just himself and his desire for Timothy, but all of his words seem to flow from a man named Demas. This man, Demas, is mentioned in two other places of Scripture. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14, he writes and he says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. In Philemon 
Verse 24, he says, There saluteth thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. He's writing about a man that's a fellow laborer with Paul. He gives no introduction to Demas. He does not talk about him in terms of which would allow us to assume that the church did not know who he was. Indeed, we have to assume from the letter that the church knew who Demas was. He was a fellow laborer with Paul, a man known to the church. Perhaps, we are not told in Scripture, but perhaps Demas had ministered in many of these cities alongside Paul. Perhaps, and again, we are not told, but he's known to the church. Perhaps he preached in some of these pulpits ministering the word of the Lord. Perhaps he sat on councils and made important decisions for the young church. And yet, we come to this final letter of Paul and indeed the final mention of Demas. And it said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He says, Timothy, I've got bad news for you. Demas has fallen. Demas is backslidden. This great man that we've known and loved is now gone from the truth. This leader, this laborer, this fellow laborer with me has now become a spiritual casualty. Timothy, I hate to tell you, but Demas, the one that we've prayed with, is gone. Demas, who sang in the choir, has left out into the world. Demas who preached in the pulpit. Demas who wept in the altar with us. Demas who walked with us in every trial. Demas, this fellow laborer, had become a casualty of this world. And he's traded in his faith. And he's traded in his Holy Ghost. And he's traded in the moving of the Spirit of God for the things of this present life. Demas has fallen, Timothy. I'm sorry to tell you. I know you didn't think it would ever happen. I had great faith in him, but Demas is gone. He won't be in another church service. He won't be joining us any further as the church grows. Demas has fallen. But Timothy... We're going on. In spite of what Demas has decided to do, in spite of the choices that he has made, Demas, we, or Timothy, we are continuing to walk with the Lord. And he writes in verse number 6 of chapter 4, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, Timothy. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. So church, let me just help you tonight in the Holy Ghost. This world is attacking the saints of the Most High God. And some have fallen, I'm sorry to say. Some have grown cold in their walk with God. Some that I thought would never walk out the doors of this church have walked out. But in spite of what they do, in spite of the choices that they make, I've got a made-up mind. I will not turn back now. I'm walking on all the way until I can get to the end of this race and say I have kept the faith I will not trade it in for the pleasures of this world I will not trade it in for the short lived pleasures of this life I've made my choice and I'm walking with the Savior all the way to glory I've made my choice 
I've made my decision. I was born and raised in this and I got brought into this world with an apostolic heritage. But somewhere along the line, can I just preach to some young people, somewhere around the age of 18, as I had left home already, I had to make a choice. Is this just a heritage? Is this just something mom and dad talked about? Or is this something I've made up in my mind? And I can take you to a prayer meeting on a Saturday night. And I walked out of the doors of that prayer meeting into the parking lot of the church in Texas and I knew this is where I'm going to be this is where I'm going to stay I shall not be moved friend hear me we've got to make up in our mind in spite of what's happening in the world around us in spite of carnality in spite of what Demas does I'm not leaving I'm staying in the church I'm staying in the church. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost, in this hour. For as this world fights against the kingdom of God and fights against the saints of the Most High God, it comes time ever so often that doubts rise in my mind. Well, I didn't get an amen there, but I didn't need one because it's true all the same because I've fought with doubts. And there's been times I've wondered what's going on and I don't know what's going to take place tomorrow, but I have put my trust in a Savior and I will not turn back on Him. And there's been times that the devil's come along and whispered in my ear, there is no God. He has left and has departed and all of this, this is just emotion. All of this, this is just hype. All of this, this is just just tradition. But I've made up in my mind there's something more here than just sounds. The Spirit's in the church. There's something real here. Demas, you can do what you want to do. Demas, you can go where you want to go. You can do as you please. But I have drawn a line in the sand. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, don't think I haven't had opportunities to walk away. I remember as a newlywed, no children yet, I had my boss at work come to me and he said, Brandon, I want to give you a raise. I said, great, give me a raise. I'm all for it. He said, it's going to be a promotion to management. I said, all right, I'm fine with that. He said, it's going to be, I can't remember now, some $10,000, $20,000 more a year, which is big money when you ain't making much of nothing. I said, yeah. He said, one catch. I said, "Uh uh-oh. He said, you got to go to such and such shift. And it was a shift that was going to keep me out of everything in the church. I couldn't go to midweek. I couldn't go to prayer meeting. I couldn't be involved in the children's ministry that we were doing throughout the week and tutoring the bus ministry kids and all of this stuff. And I looked at that manager and I said, thank you, sir. Thank you for the confidence that you have in me. But I can't do that. He said, young man, listen to me. You better think about your future. And if you make the sacrifice now, you're going to end up in a better place later. I said, sir, you don't understand. I am thinking about my future. And I'm willing to make every sacrifice to stay in this church. I'm willing to make every sacrifice to be used of God. I won't go with Demas. I won't walk out of this church. I'm staying with the Lord all the way. I want to say with Paul, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. I have kept it. Mm. But the question arises in this last hour, how? How? It surely 
can't just be emotion. Because Demas probably cried at an altar too. Tears aren't going to keep you in the church. I'm not against tears, I'm for them. But tears alone aren't going to keep you in the church. Emotion alone isn't going to keep you walking with God. It can't be just will. Because Demas probably said in a service and said, I shall not be moved. It's got to be more than emotion. It's got to be more than will. It's got to be more than tradition. There's got to be something that gets a hold of us. And Paul writes to Timothy and he gives him the strategy. How are you going to stay in the church, Timothy? How are you going to continue to walk with the Lord as Demas is falling and the world is rising against us? How are you going to do it? He begins to write to him. And let me back up now because we've got to lay some groundwork for the strategy. Demas, his name simply means popular. Popular. Now it's not in the Bible, it's extra biblical, so you can take it or leave it, take half of it and leave half of it, do as you please. I'm just citing some sources. Extra biblical sources claim that Demas kept preaching. He simply changed his doctrine. He didn't agree with everything that Paul was preaching, so he simply changed his doctrine and kept preaching. He still called himself a Christian according to these sources. Still called himself a preacher and anointed and a man of God. He just changed the doctrine to maybe be just a little bit more popular. To not be so abrasive with the world. To just survive a little longer with some friends that he desperately wanted to keep. And with that in mind, Paul writes to Timothy and he tells him in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1, Timothy, I charge thee. I command you, I urge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Verse 2, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Can I tell you, like this is strategy, the first strategy that we've got to have to stay with the Lord in this hour is I've got to fall in love with the doctrine and the Word of God. Timothy, there's going to be times when this is popular and everybody likes what you're saying. And there's going to be times when all men turn against you. There's going to be times when the church is full and times when some will mock you. Timothy, there's going to be times when this is up on the mountain and times when you're down in the valley as everybody says, oh, you preach too hard and I don't like some of this stuff that you preach and I don't like this and whatever the case may be. But Paul writes to Timothy, and says, Timothy, when you're popular, love the Word. And when it's unpopular, love the Word. When it's in season and everybody likes what you're talking about, love the Word. And when everybody's against you, love the Word, Timothy. Because this Word is more than just a theological distinction. This Word is solid ground for my feet. That's why Paul will write elsewhere that people are blown about by every wind of doctrine. Well, this is a popular opinion over here, so we'll blow over here a little while. And then, well, everybody likes this, so we'll talk about this over here a while. But if I've got the Word, and I'm just in love with what God's Word says, it's going to hold me. Everybody may go to the left, but I'm standing right here on the Word. And everybody may go over to the right, but I'm standing right here on the Word. Because this Word is going to be a light under my feet and a lamp for my path. It's going to be solid ground to stand on. 
So when the devil comes by with his lies, I can say, hey, wait a minute, devil, I've got the word. And I know where I stand. And I am in love with this word. See, you got to get this in your heart. Is it all right that we preach like this for just a little while? you got to get it in your heart. See, there's a whole bunch of people that know the verses in their mind, and they can talk about it, and they can discuss it and debate it. But until it gets in your heart, it won't have any effect in your life. But when the Word gets in here, and you begin to love this Word, you begin to love the things of God, it will hold you. Ha. It'll keep you in the midst of storms. It'll keep you when no one wants to stand with you. It'll keep you in the midst of unpopularity. This doctrine has got to be something that I love. That's why he writes to the church at Ephesus. And he says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, he says that we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And Peter will say that we did not follow cunningly divine fables. We, we didn't just follow a story, but we fell in love with the doctrine. Dear friend, what we need in 2022 is people that just love the Word. That'll wake up in the morning and say, God, I've hidden your Word in my heart. That'll come to church on a Sunday night and say, oh, preach the Word to me that I might grow thereby, that I might not against him that's what's going to keep you in the church is a love of the word but it's not just a love of the word there's a second strategy that Paul begins to talk to Timothy about it's a second exhortation and he tells him Timothy you've got to love the appearing see in verse 10 Demoth has forsaken me having loved this present world Demas has a, has a low view, having loved this present world. See, Demas, Demas didn't just have a difference of opinion. He had a difference of loves. This wasn't just a mild difference of opinion on a doctrine. He had a difference of heart, difference of heart. He loved this present world. I like what I have right now. As one person said... Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die because they just love what's here. Paul was on the other end of the spectrum and said, wait a minute. In verse number 8, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. He said, Timothy, you got to get your eyes lifted from off this world. Don't get so focused on riches and pleasures and houses and living. you got to keep your eyes on the eastern sky and say, I'm waiting for the coming of the Lord. I'm waiting for the trumpet to sound. And that's what I'm in love with. So you can take this whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take all of its pleasures, but Give me Jesus. And the elders used to sing it like this, this world. I'm not going to sing it because I'd drive you out here. But the words were, this world is not my home. I'm just 
passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And the angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Dear friend, as I walk through this life, there's some things that are necessary that i got to take care of. There's some things I've got to do and people I've got to provide for. But as I do it, I'm careful not to love it. I'm careful not to fall in love with this life and this world. There's something better. There's a city whose builder and maker is God. There's a heavenly home somewhere up there. And that's what I'm in love with. That's what I'm living for. And if I can keep my eyes lifted... It'll keep me from all these distractions. All these things that are pulling at me. All these things that are tugging at my mind and my heart. If I can just keep my mind up there. If I can just keep my eyes up there. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. If I can just fall in love with the promises of the word. As Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, 52. He said, brothers and sisters, in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last this is what you're living for, saying to God. This is what you're living. This is why you're at church on a Sunday night. For this right here. For the trumpet shall sound. That's a promise. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on mortality and he writes to Timothy and says Timothy you can make it Demas has fallen but you got to fall in love with the word Demas has fallen but you got to fall in love with his appearing and if you'll fall in love with those things you're going to make it Paul, was your faith ever shaken? Oh, it was shaken. But I kept the faith in the midst of the shaking. Were you perfect? Did you ever fall and falter along the way? Oh, yes, but don't worry. Rejoice against me when I fall. For when I fall, I shall arise and keep walking with the Lord. I'm not turning around. But the devil comes along and I'm drawn to a close. Musicians, you can come. The devil comes along and he tries to shake our faith. And he tries to distract us. And maybe you've walked in on a Sunday night feeling like the devil's just been right there saying there's nothing for you in the house of God. There's no future there. All that stuff is just emotion and tradition. Why don't you just quit? Don't raise your hand. But would you be honest in your own mind and say the devil's ever told you that? Just quit. Life would be easier to just turn aside. You can stand with me tonight. I'm not a boxing fanatic, but I read an interesting story. On November the 25th, 1980, two boxers stepped into a ring in New Orleans, Louisiana. One of these boxers was a man by the name of Roberto Duran. And he was fighting a young boxer named Sugar Ray Leonard. Duran stepped into the fight with a record of 72 wins and one loss. He was in that moment the undisputed champion and held 
belts, championship belts in four different classes. His nickname is Manos de Piedra, hands of stone. Because he was known to just stand in the ring and just slug it out. Not a lot of finesse, not a lot of tactics and movements. Just stand in the center and slug it out. He stepped in that night with a lot of confidence because this was a rematch. Five months before, he had already defeated Sugar Ray. But this night, something was different. And Leonard danced like he had never danced before. He'd skip around the ring and pop Duran and jump out of arm's reach. And Duran couldn't fight the fight he wanted. He wanted to just stand there and slug it out, but Leonard kept dancing, bobbing and weaving and floating, just little jabs. On their own, they weren't much. Nothing knocked out the champion. It was just a, a shot, a little pop, a little punch, and then he'd move out of reach. Over the course of the rounds, as they passed by, Duran continued to get more and more frustrated, and finally, in the eighth round, he had enough, and he turned his back on, the, on Leonard. And he looked at the referee, and it's disputed what he said, but nobody disputes the effect. He said, no mas. In Spanish, it just means no more. No more. I quit. I'm done. So frustrated. No mas. At first... The referee didn't stop the fight. He thought nobody's ever quit. Not the champion. He's not going to quit. But he kept singing, no mas, no mas. Finally, the referee was forced to call the bout. And the champion was defeated. Not by a massive blow. Not by a knockout punch. Just little rabbit shots. Until he was so frustrated that he said, no mas. Can I tell you what's going on in our world and the spirit? There's some folks that maybe they get hit with haymakers and knockout punches, but a lot of us, it's just little shots. It's little blows to our faith. It's Demas that left, and it shakes me a little bit. It's the report from the doctor. It's that prayer that I've been praying for months and years. It seems like it's never going to get answered, and I, I wonder what's God doing. It's those moments in the valley, and I don't know where God is. It's just little shots. And the devil's pushing us to just quit, to just throw in the towel. But I've come tonight and I feel the power of the Holy Ghost to help this church right now and to help the saints of the Lord. I don't know when the Lord's coming. No man knows the day or the hour. But I feel we are close. We're closer certainly than we've ever been. And I can't afford to throw in the towel now. I cannot afford to quit in this hour. I cannot afford to turn my back on the things of God now. Because it might be tonight that the trumpet sounds. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.